Wow, that was a good jingle again. <laughs> and here we are again. <laughs> here we are again. So welcome, everyone, to the Be More Within Gomu podcast. We are glad you're here. Um, in this podcast, we connect you with coaches and thought leaders who make a positive difference in the lives of the people they serve. This podcast is streamed live on the first and third Wednesday of the month. And if you enjoy the show, follow us on Facebook and YouTube. So hit the subscribe button there. But if you can't catch us live, make sure you listen to us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Um, our show is brought to you by Ngomu. The Ngomu app now available in the Google Play Store. And you can unlock your potential and be more with access to over 60 coaches to help you with your personal development, career advancement, health and wellness and relationship goals, accessible anytime, anywhere. Check it out in the Google Play Store, search for Ingomu, and you'll land on the right app. So my name is Al Wynant, your co-host, and with me today, as always, is Joyce Joya, my co-host of the Herman Group. She's the CEO of the Herman Group of Companies and author of the forthcoming book, which I've had the pleasure to read already, Experience Rules, How Positive Experiences Will Drive Profit into the Future. And Joyce, good to see you as always. Great to be with you too, Al, as always. So, and I see you have a different background, so I think you're traveling, aren't you? Thank you so much for acknowledging that. Yes, I am coming to you live from the Hilton Garden Inn on 8th Avenue in the Big Apple, New York City. That sounds like a fun place to be right now. So um, today we are going to do something just a little bit different. We're going to flip the script on the show. Uh, we have a guest coming in a little bit later who is unfortunately stuck in traffic for just a little bit. So I will be talking with Joyce first. So we are going to be celebrating really Dia de los Muertos or Day of the Dead. It's a Mexican celebration of uh, dead ancestors observed on the 2nd of November. So we're a little bit early here, but we didn't want to miss it. And it's how, you know, past ancestors are celebrated that drew us to today's guest. So we'll be talking with Ashley Jones, our guest first, but, uh, or actually second, sorry about that. Um, first, I want to chat with Joyce a little bit about, as a futurist, and we're talking about celebrating, you know, our past on ancestors. I know, and I'm sure there's a lot of new things happening in the industry of funerals, if I can say it that way. So, <laughs> it is. Actually, it's called the death care industry, Al. It's It sounds sort of morbid when you say it like that. So it's like, is there a better way of saying it? But it is what it is, you know? Well, you know, we've got health care. We've got death care. <laughs> what can I tell you? So talk to me a little bit about what you've seen as some trends, yeah, potentially, some or future things. interesting developments in that industry. Uh, of course, for a long time now, we've had an increase in the number of people who are choosing to be cremated versus being buried. And that's not surprising given how the cemeteries have filled up. Um, however, there's another very interesting development for people who still want to be buried. And that is that we have now what are called green cemeteries. And what that means is it's natural burial. So one of them is something called the Monastery of the Holy Spirit in Conyers, Georgia. It's 100 acres of undeveloped land. Uh, the roads are gravel and dirt. Uh, 
the bodies are buried with no gravestones, no preservatives, uh, with a shroud uh, or in a plain brown box with holes in it so that it helps the decomposition. <laughs> because the idea is that that earth to earth, dust to dust, that the body will be used as uh, as food for plants, but you can only put native plants, uh, not even peach trees, because mm. peach trees, it turns out, are not native to Georgia. Who knew, right? Who knew? And you can't have a, a big stone, you know, you, you want to have a small plaque, like two or three lines. And, and unlike other cemeteries, it's not like you choose what's called perpetual care, which is that somebody will come and maintain it. No, no, no maintenance is provided. The, the vegetation just runs wild. And it, it, it's just a very natural place for people to go. And, and if they choose to think about the fact that you're still there, be with you. But there's some other interesting uh, developments also, and that is that the several years ago, like I'm thinking 10 or 15, I met some guys who had a brand new product just on the market, which were uh, coffins that were painted as fine art. They, it was like coffins as objet d'art, as artwork. and uh, they really are beautiful. And the coffins are painted with fishing or camping or gardening or some people are into soccer or football or whatever you're into. Uh, and the, the coffin itself is painted that way. Now, we also have uh, the concept of more personalized funerals, which kind of goes along with the idea of the art casket, right? Uh, and we're talking about personalized funerals and memorial service services, not only that people are standing up and doing readings, that's been done for a long time, but now it's original readings or it's poetry that was written by the person before they passed away. It's music that was written by the family to honor and celebrate the life of the individual. And then uh, there's, a, there's another really interesting point that I came across when I was doing a little research, and that is that for because of COVID, uh, the casket sales are like up by 20%. And there's a Chilean casket producer uh, that has found an easier and cheaper way to produce caskets and they're selling a lot of them. And that is helping the Chilean economy. And it's also interestingly helping people who are financially strained and who are dealing with their own grief because a little money in your pocket sometimes goes a long way. It's true. Is Ashley with us yet? She is not. Um, okay, but so. I, I just I just wanted to 
as you were talking in the beginning about the, um, the where your people get buried, Justin, uh -huh, sure. you know, I've in my hometown where I grew up, we haven't had burials for 20 to 25 years, even longer, maybe, wow. where they only allow for cremation. So the graveyard is a very is an expanse of um, grassy fields and so on. So where people can, you know, go sprinkle the ashes, so to speak. But there is no there's no gravestones. There is nothing. It is just basically a very lovely, peaceful place to go to. Um, and I know as we were talking about trends earlier, this, you know, in, in our state, in the state of Colorado, they are now, they are now allowing, I think it just passed or they're thinking about passing it. So I have to look at that for composting of your loved ones. Um, so very different way, um, but it's something new. I just come across in the last, the last couple of weeks as well as in the news here. So, um, but what else, Joyce? So I, I wanted to share with you and the audience that, when I was flying to Portland, and, I, and this is the last third of a trip that my husband and I are taking to see the fall fo foliage, thank God for uh, house sitters. I don't know what our cat would do without her. And this, uh, the, the first third, uh, at, as I was flying from Austin to Portland, I watched a movie called Swan Song. And it's a, a little independent movie, but the acting was just incredible. And it was about a hairdresser. Are you familiar with the, the, the movie by any chance? I have not seen it, but I'm aware of it. Okay. The acting was just superb. And it's about a hairdresser who ends up doing the hair of one of his former clients after she's passed away. So it's and, a comedy. Uh, not really. <laughs> Such a heavy subject, you know. <laughs> it's, it's very dramatic, very dramatic. And the, 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 it, the whole thing is just, just fascinating as you, as you see, how he was bullied and and taken advantage of and and not valued until now and she left that this woman who was his former client happened to be very wealthy and she left $25,000 mm. for him to do her hair and makeup so that when the family came she would look like a movie star, which is what she always wanted to look like. And it, it was just, I'm not going to spoil it for, for, you, for you or anyone else, but I will just tell you that it was, I, you know, there were times during the watching when I was saying they, they really... Uh, lifted up the amount of uh, 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 like excitement and and suspense about will he or won't he actually do her hair and makeup? And I won't tell you how it ends, but I will tell you that I would definitely recommend that people who like good acting see that movie 
And, and on that, and I was going to say on that cliffhanger, Joyce, yes. Ashley has Ashley has joined us. So I want to make sure, make sure. So I'm going to bring her in, and I will let let you introduce her. Wonderful. Thank you. Hello, Ashley, and welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Uh, I, I'm glad that you could finally make it through traffic and, and be here with us. It was crazy. I, I preferred not to take it from my car, so I was like running through the halls. But I'm here, and I'm happy to be here, so I'm glad. So uh, uh, Ashley Jones is founder and executive director of Love Not Lost. And uh, as Al said, Ashley is here because her story touched us, and we wanted her to share it with us today. So Ashley, tell us what happened in your life that led you to create Love Not Lost. Sure, yeah, I lost my daughter to a terminal illness. And for me, that was um, a pretty pivotal moment in my life. Um, I was 25 when she was diagnosed, when she was just two months old, and I was 27 when she died. And so for me, um, I'm also an overachiever, so I was a part of you know, sports and music and neighborhood and, you know, clubs and activities and all the things through school. But nowhere in my life did I learn how to grieve. And what was worse was like none of my friends learned how to support people who were grieving. And so uh, it just became this moment of I can do something about this. I can give people tools to help them grieve and I can help um, create resources for other people. Like we have new technology and yet we're still stuck in the sixties and the eighties with, um, you know, what we're giving people. And so we can do better. Yes. And, and I understand that someone sponsored, uh, a photo shoot for you, uh, with your daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So basically, um, when we got diagnosed, like I said, a lot of our friends just didn't know what to do. Uh, many people didn't do anything and, and they just kind of disappeared. But we had some friends who got creative and would show up and cook us dinner or um, one person gifted us a professional portrait session. And that really helped preserve memories and enjoy the time that we had with our daughter Skylar uh, while she was here with us. And then, um, you know, as I kind of went through the loss in the first year of that really intense grief, my own, I realized that those photos were, you know, some of the most helpful tools that I had in my grief and healing journey. Um, they gave me a way to hold Skylar when she wasn't here to hold, you know, and they mm -hmm. gave me a way to, to just be with my emotions and sit with my grief and cry it out or talk to her or whatever it was that I needed to do without any fear or judgment or expectation. And that was such a gift. Um, and it was a gift that I wanted to give to other people. So uh, yeah, so I just started volunteering portrait sessions anytime I heard of someone facing a terminal diagnosis. Um, and that led to creating Love Not Lost, which then led to not only doing portrait sessions, but creating the tools and the resources like I was talking about earlier. 
Great. So actually, when, when we first spoke a few months ago, you know, your story really touched me. And it kind of, in, sort of indirectly made me, you know, how you celebrated the life of Skylar. It kind of reminded me a little bit of how Dia de los Muertos, you know, Day of the Dead celebrated in a way. So what does, what does that holiday mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that holiday is so special because there are so many, um, well, I'll start by saying I didn't grow up knowing about Day of the Dead. Um, I, I know that um, so, like the Christian Catholic version is All Souls Day. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older and learned more about it, I'm really grateful for it because in America, like we've lost the knowledge of how to grieve well, um, but grieving is essential to our healing. And so to heal, we must grieve, to grieve, we must feel, and to feel, we must be present. But I think like our culture in America doesn't make it easy to be present with the pain of grief and the uncomfortableness of loss. And so uh, the Dia de los Muertos is a beautiful way to be present as we remember loved ones and really process our feelings. I think a lot of people became aware of that holiday in such a beautiful way by seeing the movie Coco. <laughs> yes, that was so good. It was. So how does your organiza organization relate to this holiday or does it? Yeah, I mean, I think the name and the heart of our organization, Love Not Lost, ties in beautifully with, um, ties in beautifully with the heart of the holiday because you know, we believe that the love is never lost. So when you lose a loved one, that relationship is still there. That love is still there. And it, it changes, right? It transforms. It's different. Um, but that love just doesn't disappear. And so even when someone dies, um, that love can still be felt in relationship. And I think that um, having a holiday dedicated to celebrating that love and relationship is really, really powerful. Um, you know, and I really love how that holiday is focused on the celebration side. And that's another piece that kind of ties in, um, with our organization is like, yes, grief is hard and loss is heavy, but like, it doesn't have to be depressing all the time. Like there are elements of it that are, but, um, being intentional about remembering loved ones and celebrating that love is is a, a core value of what we do. And so, yeah, I just, I think that's, um, you know, a really beautiful holiday, but I also understand, you know, there are many people who don't participate in it because of, you know, religious differences or cultural differences. They may not even know about it yet. Um, but, you know, for those who do wanna tie in, we have, um, obviously it's not a holiday, but it's a, it's a, form of celebration and intentionality where we have a light after loss remembrance walk. And it happens every year on November 19th, which is my daughter's birthday. Um, and every year we gather virtually anywhere and we walk and we share stories of our loved ones. And we talk about um, the laughter and the love that we shared and the memories that we have and stories that maybe people haven't heard before. Um, so if, you know, if, if people are curious about um, the Day of the Dead, but but haven't, uh, you know, tested the waters with that, um, we would love to invite you to 
you know, start that conversation and share those stories in our remembrance walk with us. It's interesting as you're, especially in what you do as an organization with those portraits and so on. So I, we set up every year, we set up a Day of the Dead, De Los Muertos altar, which is more of a mm -hmm. tradition in the culture. So we, yep. we set it up sort of in the beginning of November and keep it up longer, a little bit after, after the holiday. But what's, you know, what makes me understand what you do so well is that we have little frames with pictures of all the lost family members and pets because we're suckers for that as well, yes. um, that, that go in there. And so every year we set it up, you know, even though we may not celebrate on a religious side of it, it is going through those memories and celebrating those those memories that that's such a special experience where I can, I've never had to deal with a loss you had to deal with, but going through that little experience, looking at pictures of grandparents and pets, we can go like, I get it. I just really understand the importance of that. So great, great things that you do with that. So you, you talked a little bit earlier about grief and mm -hmm. You know, people go through that. So what is, you know, having gone through this and so on. So what is some advice you can give to our viewers, listeners about the process of dealing with grief? I think the biggest thing is that people have a lot of expectations around grief. And I just mm -hmm. encourage people to drop them. <laughs> um, drop your expectations. Uh, because I think people get caught up in a lot of the shoulds of grief. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you should feel this way or you should be past this emotion by now or, um, you know, whatever that is. But grief is so unique and there are so many misconceptions out there too. So like, please don't believe everything you read. Um, but I really want people to know that your body is designed to heal. So like your best way to grieve is by listening to your body. Because just as, you know, when we give our, like, you know, if we get a paper cut, right? Like, we don't think about what it takes for the blood clot to happen and the new skin cells to regenerate and for that wound to close. But it happens, right? And so the same is true emotionally. And sometimes we get, um, you know, like the paper cut heals on itself. But if you have a bone sticking out of your leg, um, you know, like, that's not going to heal itself typically. <laughs> Um, we need that surgery and doctor support to reset it and, and, and help us heal. And the same is true for a really big emotional trauma. Um, sometimes we need that extra support, whether it's, you know, somatic therapy or EMDR or something else. Um, and and we, we might need a little bit of extra support, but still our bodies are designed to heal. And so if you can listen to your body give yourself what you need and have grace in the process. Cause like listening to your body is a skill. It's, it's not like you just like get it all of a sudden. I mean, some people do, but, but be patient with yourself and, and build up that practice of listening and giving and meeting your needs and, and setting the priority for self care, because that's really what it takes to heal. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say, too, is like as far as the misconceptions, like a lot of people throw around the five stages of grief. But when I was grieving and I was I was trying to do all this research on grief and healing and, and all of that, what I learned was that Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who discovered the five stages of grief, actually came to that realization based on studying people facing their own death, which made so much more sense to me because 
the stages seem to have a linear progression to an endpoint. And when you're facing your own death, that is very true. But for people who've lost a loved one, that grief is not linear. And it's, you know, it contains mm. so many more emotions and, and patterns and feelings. And, and so, you know, on a grand scheme of things, I like to think of grief as a supernova where we hit that initial loss and, and like a, a star collapsing in on itself, you know, we deal with depression and shock and sometimes trauma and, and all of the seemingly dark feelings. Um, but if we can flow through the process and listen to ourselves and support ourselves through that, on the other side of that is this amazing explosion of love and light um, and, and creativity and, and joy that can come on the other side. Not to say that the pain is gone because there still be seasons of pain um, mm -hmm. and, and different triggers and that will require another round of, of support and healing. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's this huge opportunity for presence and transformation if we're intentional about leaning into the pain and going through the process to heal. That's great advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Ashley, you lead a nonprofit that is, that is your own passion pro project, right? So what advice mm -hmm. do you have for nonprofit leaders who want to be successful with their organizations? Yeah, if they're already leading a nonprofit, um, I have some advice for that. And I'll, uh, you know, share that in a minute. If they haven't formed a nonprofit, find any other way to do what you want to do except for starting a nonprofit. <laughs> um, because it is like you think about startups, right? And you're like, okay, startup life is hard. You're doing, you know, you're wearing all the hats. But the amount of work that you're putting in typically directly correlates to what your, your funding is. And with the nonprofit, it's you're putting in all the work to build the company, um, but then you're having to do a whole nother whole system of things to fundraise. And so if you can do it as a for-profit social good thing, then please do that. But for those who are already in the nonprofit and want to be successful, um, you know, part of my success is just my dedication to learning. So I joke around that I have, um, like, you know, like some women have shopping addictions or, you know, um, go get their nails done every week or, you know, whatever, like their normal habits are. Like I have a problem with like buying books and courses. <laughs> um, my husband actually said like, you're not allowed to buy another book until you finish all the ones on our shelf. Um, and so he's half kidding. But, um, but yeah, like I choose to spend my like spare free time um, absorbing information as much as I can about business and trauma and healing and, you know, searching for tools where I have weaknesses. So like one of those is marketing. Um, like I'm a terrible marketer, but I know that's like part of what it takes to be successful. And so I'm reading books about it and trying to like connect with people on LinkedIn. So, you know, find me on LinkedIn if you want to help. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think it's critical to stay focused as a leader and be intentional with how you spend your most precious asset, which is your time. I will, I will from my, in my old life as a development person in the nonprofit world, 
I would always tell people who's like, I want to start this nonprofit because my kid or my father or this or that. And I would go like, have you done your research in the community? How many other organizations are already doing that? Maybe you can become part of their program rather than starting a whole new nonprofit, you know, yeah. um, share the wealth basically. But um, Ashley, thank you for being here today and for sharing the story about Skylar uh, and Love Not Lost. So if anyone wants to support um, uh, Ashley and the organization, I put the website right on the screen and it's lovenotlost.org if you're listening to this. So lovenotlost.org altogether. So check it, check it out. Um, so as a reminder, our show is brought to you by the Ngomo app, and we can hear that Joyce is in New York City. Uh, <laughs> it's now available in the Google Play Store. You can unlock your full potential and be more with access to over 60 coaches to help you with your personal development, career advancement, health and wellness, and relationship goals accessible anytime, anywhere. Check it out on the Google Play Store. Just look for Ngomo. And um, so I'm going to turn it over to Joyce because one thing we do at the end of our show is we always recognize someone or an organization at the end of the show. And today we're doing it again a little bit different, <laughs> Joyce. We are indeed. Today we are recognizing Ashley Jones, the founder and executive director of Love Not Lost for the countless families that they have helped to heal. And I hope that I can do this without getting going into tears. <laughs> As you heard earlier, Love Not Lost sponsors photo shoots for families with loved ones who are terminally ill. To learn more, to donate to this worthwhile cause, check out lovenotlost.org and you'll find a wealth of resources as well as the opportunity to help. So thank you so much, Ashley, for all that you do. Thank you and thanks for having me and, and for working with me today with crazy scheduling. And um, yeah, I'm just so honored to be here and, and hope that I can you know, provide value to your audience. So thank you. Thanks, Ashley. And in, in closing, Ashley, is there anything specific you are looking for help-wise or need for the organizations? Feel free to share it here in our closing. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, one of the things we just, uh, in, we're getting set up with HubSpot. Um, so if there are any HubSpot experts out there who want to maybe volunteer their time with a few hours a week or something to, to help us automate things more, that would be incredibly helpful. Um, so, you know, send this out to all your HubSpot friends. <laughs> um, we, we could definitely use some extra support there. Thank you, Ashley. And if you know of someone who is making a positive difference in your community, please let us know at news at ingomu.com and we'd be very happy to honor them. So that brings us to the end of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to thank our guest, Ashley Jones. And I'm sorry, I'm looking at you on a different screen here. Um, and my co-host, Joyce Joya, for being here today. Uh, thank you for listening. And we will see you again on Wednesday, November 3rd at 4 p.m. Eastern time for our next show. So let's go make a positive difference in the world. And Joyce, your sound went out for just a second. <laughs> No, my sound didn't go out. I had muted myself so that people wouldn't hear. So let's go make a positive difference in the world. And, and... be more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>